Hi, this is Kathleen Matei, and welcome to Creator as a Business, a show about the business side of being a creator with an initial focus on educational creators and the future of learning. About the guest today, Nick Dukoff, he co-founded two venture-backed tech companies that were acquired and was previously a college vice president and startup lawyer. He co-authored Better Off After College, which was a number one Amazon bestseller. He's currently exploring the intersection of learning, earning, and Web3, contributing as semester lead at Crypto Culture and Society DAO, which I'm also a part of. And he's also a Seed Club collaborator for their fourth cohort. Nick is also an active angel investor in Web3 companies such as Flipside, Flipside Crypto, Catalog, and other listed at, at nick.vc. This interview today is about fundamentally what is he thinking on his thesis when it comes to Web3 and education. We talk about the experiments that he's paying attention to, where does he see the future of learning will be at the intersection of Web3, and how does Web3 really improve learning, and where are the opportunities to pay attention. I really enjoyed the conversation with Nick. I encourage you to follow him on Twitter and connect with him on LinkedIn. Both of those links will be provided in the description. Thank you so much and hope to see you in the next episode. Feel free to share this with anybody you think may be of interest and talk to you next time. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Me too. Happy to be here. Thank you. So I've learned about you from CCS, uh, from a very interesting school of crypto, I would say, and and kind of like the the whole Web3 world. And something that was striking to me and, and, and the reason I kind of reached out to you was I, I really enjoyed the fact that you took, a, I think you were like month five, six after you sold or exited your previous company, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, in education. And you've taken an intentional almost break to focus on, on Web3 and explore and everything. So what I would love to start, I think it would be really insightful and practical. I'd love to understand kind of like what is your day looking like exploring Web3, learning, earning, And then we can go into like your interest in education, everything, but I'd love to start there and kind of like, how has it been for you in the last couple of months, just like going into this crazy world of of, of Web3 and how does your day look like in in, in doing that as much as you can? Yeah, so I appreciate that question. I'm definitely living the Tao life. And I think it's amazing because it allows you to get to work with incredible people on um, different projects that can pique your interest and curiosity. I think one of the challenges with living the Tao life is you have to create your own structure, right? It is not a nine to five life. Discord is always on and there are people like yourself that I'm collaborating with all over the world. It's one o'clock in the afternoon here. It's what, seven o'clock or something like that uh, in the evening there. So, you know, if you don't create structure around your days you can find yourself, you know, continually getting pulled into Discord. And so I'm working on a few different projects right now. And I, I try to block the time out on my calendar and turn to that work at those specific times. And I try to, you know, as little as possible, you know, check my Discord outside of those times, even though it's hard not to get pulled into that. And then I kind of think about Twitter as kind of the dorm room of the internet. Like that's where I go to hang out and just like like walk along the hall and see who's hanging out there and what are they talking about. And if somebody's tweeting about something interesting and I want to engage, you can just start a dialogue and 
um, you know, begin hanging out with them, which is kind of remarkable to think about. Yeah, I, I'm guessing your entrepreneurial background has kind of given you this ability to be autonomous in, in self-creating structure, which makes you not completely burn out. Because what I've seen a lot of people do is they just are used to structures. And, and then when, when they get into this, it's just, I mean, my, my example included that though I should know more, I should know better, but I, it took me about two weeks and I was like, this, this is too much. I need to create some systems around this because it's getting crazy. So good for you. I'm curious from your exploration right now, what is your current thesis around education? People know just a tiny bit from the introduction that you've exited an education company. I'm curious, why is your interest in education? How did you think about it when you started exploring Web3? And what is your current thesis, even draft of where you think education is, is going or, 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 or learning in, in general? Yeah, so I think that the, the, the framing that I use is like learning and earning. And obviously there's like many types of learning. There's, there's, there's learning just because you're curious. And there's also learning that you hope, you know, can be applied to, you know, increase the value of your labor and, 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 and thus, you know, increase your, your wages and earning potential. And, and sometimes these things are kind of smashed together in a four-year period of time, you know, colloquially known as a college uh, experience where you're given a, a piece of paper, you know, that has, you know, fancy, you know, Latin um, certifying that you've completed this, this degree. And I think a lot of companies are starting to recognize that that's a pretty blunt instrument in terms of like evaluating, you know, someone's capability and, and education with respect to both education for the sake of just learning and then education for the sake of, you know, increasing your earning potential is becoming more parsimonious in the sense that, you know, there's now a class, you know, kind of on, on every topic and, and taught by, you know, many different reputable uh, education providers, you know, some of which are credentialed and, and some of which are not, but, um, you know, in, in both cases often, you know, actually conveying, you know, the, the knowledge that the learner is seeking. And so with Web3, my interest is that it really, I think, can create new kinds of aligned incentives up and down, you know, the, the stack with respect to educators. For example, I recently uh, invested in a company called Superhigh, and they are online course provider for uh, uh, the creator economy. So, you know, courses in Adobe Photoshop, Solidity, you know, all types of stuff like that. And, you know, they're working on really cool stuff to um, you know, create better incentives for educators to share in the upside of the value that, that they're creating by disseminating this important knowledge. Whereas in the past, if you look at how higher education has treated educators, the tenured class, which is kind of the elite class of, of educator that can kind of get away with anything. And then there's the adjunct class. And these people, you know, are essentially paid minimum wage. You know, they often have to unionize to, to get any types of bargaining power, you know, with respect to the value of their labor. And, and that's crazy because when I think about, you know, the impact that many of my professors had on me, you know, I still think about it to this day, 20 plus years later. And so, you know, Web3 tokenomics, you know, aligned incentives, you know, can create new opportunities for educators to get full and fair value for the knowledge that they're disseminating. And then on the learner side, <clears throat> you know, learners pay tuition often to universities that have 
already enormous endowments, you know, that have no real use for the cash today and pay for the right, you know, to, to be educated and then provide value back to that school in many ways by, you know, doing good work over the next, you know, 40 years of their career, yet, yet get no subsequent value back from their college. Imagine a world where the learner actually has, you know, some ownership in the education provider, you know, that they're part of. And, you know, this, you know, I, I think is what you were maybe talking about to some extent with CCS, where, you know, we envision a world where we are collective of, 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 people who are teaching one another and, you know, sharing in the value that we're creating by being token holders in the DAO. Yeah. Ultimately making it a public good that, you know, to the greatest extent possible is free. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to go a bit higher level and don't go very practical. What do you think, because edu in the past, education has been thought as this thing that happens between these walls so it's like people need to sit down they need to like listen to this and they need to do like it's very kind of like closed perception of education especially when you look at lifelong learning so like outside of like 10 years old or 15 or whatever so high school k-12 but if you look beyond that it seems like it's happening everywhere all the time and in all different ways so i'm curious just to bring a higher level perspective on your on your view on this what do you think education is? Hmm. Yeah, I think that is the question. What do you think education is? Like, what do you think are the main ingredients that in your head create this thing that is edu education, going from the past of a very fixed, fixed view? Well, so, you know, I, I'm a student of the Socratic method. I, 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 my highest degree attained is a Juris Doctorate. I went to law school. You know, in law school, they teach you to ask a bunch of questions and then you just ask even more questions. And, you know, the way that I think education, you know, what is education in its purest form? It's knowing what questions to ask, not necessarily giving you any answers, but 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 giving you the ability to continue to expand the, the types uh, of questions that you're able to ask uh, to further explore the problem. You know, because I, I think, you know, obviously there are some questions that have, you know, rather discrete answers, but I think most questions have answers that only asymptotically approach the answer, if, if you follow me, you know, where there's no, 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 no kind of certainty that, that there were finality to the answer, but rather it's just a series of questions that get you closer and closer and closer to it. And so I think of education as, you know, piquing the student's curiosity, educating them enough about that particular topic to understand the types of questions they should be asking, you know, to continue to pursue you know, knowledge in in that topic. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think it was this. Um, I don't know. I don't know the author of this, but it was a sci-fi novel which this basic ultimate AI. And if you asked it asked it any question, it would have given you the answer, no problem with minimal processing power. But then somebody asked it a question like, "What is a question we're not asking that we should be asking?" And the whole AI just crashed. Um, That's the last question by Isaac Asimov. That, yeah. Yeah. I, Asimov yeah, was it yeah. Asimov? Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last question by Asimov, um, and entropy, you know, was 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 the answer. But uh, um, mm. it required too much computing power, you know, to, to to get to that final answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> oh, that's a that's a mind blowing. I think thirty minute audio or something, or very short read um, for anybody that wants to check that out. And then, what do you think about? And then we'll get down to something practical. But I'm really curious on this. 
for example, in my head, if I'm thinking about the ingredients that create education, I'm thinking about information slash wisdom. I'm thinking about network and I'm thinking about signaling. The function of education, maybe it's what I'm thinking about. How do you think those, in the classical sense, information is taught by this top-down authority that has a manual and it teaches, teaches it to you and the network is just the filtering. Like if you go to Stanford, it's obviously filtered to have a certain type of people with certain type of financial considerations as well as certain type of IQ and so forth. And if you look at signaling, well, I've went to Stanford, so I should be a certain type of person. So that immediately opens doors, doors into the world, which is only an argument you can make for Ivy League schools. If you go beyond that, it's not that valid anymore. I'm curious, how do you see these things kind of looking in the world of Web3 and Web3-driven education? How do you see information being delivered, created, and then, and, and then paid for? How do you see the network component, which seems to be very important. That's why Harvard, Stanford, everybody just publishes their stuff freely because it's not really what people are buying, what people are buying. And, and, and then signaling, which I'm, I'm hinting at your answer, but I love, you, love your perspectives. How do you think these look on Web3? Yeah, so I mean, I think the big theme is kind of the unbundling of, of, of all of those, you know, services that uh, or jobs to be done that education provides, you know, I can give examples of, of each on the signaling side, you know, we're, we're obviously in Web3 seeing a lot of badging that, you know, can be on chain, soul bound. Things like I'm an investor in a company called GitPoApp that has built API that enables Git repo owners to map various activities like a pull request or a merge to master or a comment to various POAPs that you know can provide you know encouragement and you know and signaling owned you know by the wallet holder of that software developer, enabling them to showcase the contributions that they're making at work, which previously, you know, were hidden in their code, you know? And so like, that's an example. And, and there's a number of others on the signaling side, even being a token holder or an NFT holder right now, I think is a certain signal. You know, the fact that I have learned tokens as a member of CCS in my wallet, anybody that has my wallet address, you know, stoic.eth can, can go in and look and, and see that those are there. Um, and, and everything else that I have, you know, I, I think there are interesting questions about people can airdrop anything to your wallet, you know, so n not everything in your wallet is necessarily a representation of, of who you are. So I think over time, we'll also see more provisioning in wallets as to, you know, what is hidden and what isn't, you know, OpenSea kind of creates somewhat of a front end for this, but, you know, still it's all there in your wallet to be seen, you know, by someone who puts your wallet address in Etherscan. But on the community side, I think, you, you know, you are seeing this in DAOs naturally, where people are self-organizing and, and creating these communities and, and hanging out and, and creating value. And it's getting pretty niche. I mean, I saw an awesome one the other day called Dropout DAO, which is a DAO for college dropouts, right? You know, it's a very like lonely and like kind of scary thing to like say, hey, this isn't working for me. I'm going to take some time off, you know, maybe go back or maybe, you know, take a different path. And, and, and you know, now there's a network for, for those people, just like there's a network for Harvard grads. Now there's a network for dropouts. I think that's really cool. Um, and as a, an example of that community kind of stepping in and filling some of the void, you know, from that traditional higher education system. And then, you know, on the learning side, you know, you're seeing 
companies or organizations like BuildSpace, Kernel as part of Gitcoin, you know, and others just creating these like incredible learning resources that are free or low cost. And, you know, I, I think you'll continue to see more and more of those. I'm advising this company called Proof of Learn, which was founded by Sheila Lirio Marcello, who founded Care.com previously. And she's working on something really interesting in the space. And it's just amazing, you know, the themes of, of Web3, the WAGME kind of philosophy, we're all going to make it really seeing that extend to education in ways that are going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on the status quo, the incumbents. Yeah. So it seems like, for example, when you're thinking about Theo Fellowships or like, for example, Theo Fellowship was created exactly for the job to be done of instead of just going through this, drop out, do this, we'll give you a hundred grand or whatever they, they give. Which, mm, actually, I think a better question would be, where do you think educators play a role into all of this in your mind? Because I come, for example, I come from a world where it's like I, ha I know a lot of people who have a very specific expertise and they're just putting it out and educating people. They're creating courses, communities, whatever it is, and it works for them. Now, they're not managing a like they they can't teach people something completely because somebody's an expert on this or that or whatever. So that's where where these educational brands I see them emerging. You see On Deck and Reforge and Code Academy and everything else. They kind of put they're kind of putting together these experts, creators, educators, and giving them a space to to create that. Where do you see creators kind of play a role into this? Because like you said, these people are going to have a much bigger incentive to get involved and educate because they're going to get compensated fairly for it instead of minimum wage where do you see that play a role in all of this yeah i you know i think in the 21st century you know there was this kind of idea you know of and even in the early you know 20, 21st century you know there, there was this idea of like the celebrity professor right like you know even in the early 20th century you know people would go to harvard to see you know to study under a particular person you know or they go to oxford to study under a particular person and and that's still the case you know in doctorate programs but i think with respect to general education and we even saw this in the early 21st century with like khan academy like saul khan taught all those courses initially like on the platform and then you have things like masterclass where you know they have these kind of celebrities you know kind of very unidirectionally right there's saul khan talks to the screen you're not engaging with saul khan you know, you're engaging with software and, you know, same with masterclass, you can press play, you can pause it, but you can't raise your hand and ask a question. I, I, I think that's terribly outdated. I, I think that, you know, we're moving to, a, you know, a, a web of nodes that will enable, you know, educators, you know, of, of all different experience levels to engage with learners of all different experience levels, you know, ad hoc on a question at any given time. And you're seeing stuff like this, like study streams. I don't know if you've seen study streams, which is creating like kind of the like, you know, college library of the internet where people can study together. People can, you know, ask questions of each other. You know, people can, you know, kind of create these like mini learning communities around very niche topic areas that they're studying like it at that moment. Like, you know, if you're studying the Vietnam War and want to study with other people studying that like very discreet thing, like you, you, you can do that which is like the exact opposite of Khan Academy, which is, you know, you press play and, and, and you just like listen to it. And, and so I think Web3, um, you know, creates much more kind of opportunity for serendipity and, and connecting with different people uh, on these like narrower topics. 
which I think is ultimately how people want to learn. They, you know, going back to, you know, this idea of like learning the right questions to ask, you, you just want to go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole and you want to go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole with holding hands with other folks kind of at that same level. And I think Web3 really enables you to find people to hold hands with, like as you go down that rabbit hole. What do you think is the matching system that allows that? Just to clearly, I have a hint, just to clearly explain for everyone listening, like what's the matching system that Web3 allows that allows these micro, super micro communities to join forces together on a learning goal? Like what is that mechanism? Well, I mean, ultimately it's the blockchain, but, you know, and the the kind of various attributes that are going to be able to be, you know, recorded on the ledger that somebody perhaps, you know, has level X expertise in topic Y. You know, I know Brian Flynn talks a lot about this at, at Rabbit Hole. He's, of course, using like on-chain activity to demarcate that at the moment. I'm very interested in, you know, organizations, you know, taking like off-chain knowledge and, and trying to bring it on-chain. And I think you'll see more of that, making like more parsimonious, you know, think about it. When you graduate from college and you get your... Certification? Uh, I mean, just just the, uh, the paper. What's the thing that you get from the registrar, though, that like has all your courses that you took and your transcript? Oh, there you so go. So you, yeah. you, get, you get your transcript. And like, when you think about that, and, and by the way, it's like a huge pain to get your transcript, right? Like you got to like, like lick a stamp, put things in mail. Like it's crazy. Right. And, and I know Parchman and others are kind of like working on better ways to like acquire this digitally. But even then, it's like you, you, all that you see is like you took a course and you got this grade in it. Like it doesn't show the learning outcomes. It doesn't, you know, show your kind of mastery of those, of those learning outcomes. Like it's not very discreet. It's, it's not very parsimonious. I think the exciting thing about the blockchain is it allows ex- extraordinarily parsimonious recordings of, of everything right? Including knowledge and interests. And, and it will allow people to key off of that to find one another ultimately. You know, Scott Meyer, who is another CCS contributor and, and really gigabrain, had this great piece yesterday on digital credentialing. And he was saying that he, he thinks the idea of like digital credential as a signal is, is, you know, one way to look at it. And digital credential as an antenna is actually another where it should both, be, it should be bi-directional. <clears throat> the fact that you've attained this thing should not only be a signal out to the world, it should be an antenna to bring people into you as well to talk about that thing that you've now, you know, demonstrated that you've acquired and find the people to your question about how do you find people on these topics? And, and that's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's, if, I think that's fabulous. Cause if you, like, if I'm looking as I have a business and I want somebody to do social media, like that's the job. Right now, what I need to do is like, well, first of all, there's no university for social media or there is, but I like nobody really kind of hires people by that. What I would ideally want is, hey, I'm this type of company, this side, this type of budget. Can I get somebody who successfully done this at a similar case? If that's the person, if you bring, you bring me that person, I'll hire them on the spot. Whereas now you kind of have to go out and find people and it's like, oh, but I haven't worked on construction companies. I worked on this. And like, it seems from what you're saying that that will be possible as an on-chain record, you'd be able to basically match people because you have so much granularity on their history and what they've learned and showed, like really the proof of learning is the ability to do it, right? So you've been able to do it and then it's on-chain. Am I getting it? Is that what you're sharing? 
Yeah, right. I mean, this is like an Oracle, right? And that attestations with an Oracle, you know, so like if, you know, you designed the logo for CCS, I could, you know, give you a kudos and there's a, actually a company called Kudos and <laughs> very cool called Mint Kudos. Uh, imagine that I give you a kudos and say, hey, you did a great job with my logo. And, you know, the entity is like logo and then great job is like, you know, a positive sentiment or whatever. And, and you can imagine that like, you know, people can then flip that and say, I'm looking for people who, you know, have done logo work uh, for DAOs that have received, you know, positive attestations for that work. Um, and then see that you did that work and that I was the one who made that attestation and that I held X role or number of tokens or whatever in the DAO. And there's a company called Proved that's doing something to that effect. I tested that out the other day. So, I mean, you know, there's mm. a million of these out there that yeah. are starting to, you know, kind of take very small bites at this apple. And, you know, it's so early, who knows, like which of these companies is going to be the LinkedIn or whatever of Web3. I think it's, you know, way too early to tell, but I'm just having so much fun exploring and learning from everyone who's building in the space, because I think, you know, the curiosity, creativity, like that wag me mindset of like a rising tide lifts all boats is really present. You know, even though it's like competitive in the nominal sense, it's much more collaborative in practice. And it just, it's like the vibes are great. Yeah, that, that's, I, I, I so resonate with that. I didn't expect, so there's obviously technology because of the way it's thought, it's positive sum instead of, instead of zero sum. So that creates this, we're all going to make it type view of the world. And then it filters those people inside, which is crazy. Cause I've like, I, I get on to, and like talk to all these people all around the world and they're all helping each other. And I'm like, why is this happening? So the best answer I've came to that, and it feels like you just said that, is the technology is the filter to get those people in because technology is basically filtering for positive some people that are not looking to like look at a fixed pie and, and take out of it because of the way blockchain works and Web3 is like you're basically increasing the pie every single thing you do, and which is fabulous. So curious, what? so you've said you have your day blocked and kind of like spent on all these things that you're doing, are you looking to stay and, and, and stand as an advisor and investor in a number of companies? Are you looking or are you working on, on launching something on your own, like a startup or any, I don't know, a protocol or anything else that you're working on? I'm curious, like, what is your goal in the ecosystem? Or are you just want to yeah. stay in as advisor and VC? Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's time for others to lead and build. And, you know, I'm, I want to be there to help, you know, kind of lift them up you know, and, 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 and help them, you know, get where they want to go um, as fast as, 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 as possible. I, I am discovering, you know, new problems I want to solve. And, you know, one of the things, you know, that I do is, you know, as I'm, you know, creating my own map of the ecosystem, you know, I'm, I'm looking for certain types of things. And, you know, if I can't find a thing and, I, and I'm looking pretty hard, mind you, and, you know, you know, constantly in touch with a lot of other people that have good you know, antennas up, you know, searching for that signal, you know, if it's not out there, then, you know, I, I'm happy to help catalyze the formation of, of that new activity, perhaps in a, as a sub DAO to one of the DAOs I'm in, you know, and, and I can take no credit for this whatsoever, but an example of, 
of innovation kind of within a DAO leading to, you know, new organization is uh, LexDAO, which is a Great legal DAO. engineering DAO that I'm a, a member in. One of the jobs to be done that, that they saw was a lot of DAOs were coming to them saying, hey, can you help us create a legal entity for, for our DAO? And, you know, there's a number of different choices, you know, LLC, Wyoming DAO, yada, yada, you know, Cayman Corp, you know, whatever. And so Ross, one of the core contributors, created a sub-DAO called Cali. And, you know, now they've built money for it. It's now in Seed Club. And, you know, it's just a great example of, an, you know, an innovation, you know, being identified. Then people that wanted to work collaboratively, which was a subset of the members of the DAO, were able to do so with shared incentives and the support of the parent DAO. And, you know, now they're off to the races and it happened so fast. And the, the pace of activity here is just so exciting. And, and again, it's like creating, finding these people that want to work together and they're like natively now, you know, collecting to your point because they're self-selecting into these organizations. And so there's, there's this talent pool just sitting there ready to be deployed, to, ready to be activated. It's funny, like on the one hand, you hear about this, like this dramatic war for talent and, and this talent shortage. And then on the other hand, you see people literally giving their talent away, you know, and labor away, like at, at zero or low cost, you know, within these DAOs, just because of intrinsic motivation, which of course is much more powerful, you know, than, than extrinsic motivation and is really an exciting time, you know, to be in education, to be in Web3 and to play an incredibly tiny, tiny, tiny role in, you know, helping catalyze some of these activities. Yeah, maybe I'd love for people listening, if you can share what are the things you're currently kind of like interested in topics, people, type of companies, because maybe some of the people reaching out may be in within that arena and they can reach out. I'd love to understand if there's anything specific that you're kind of looking for or people building a specific type of solution. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, and I have talked to a few folks building stuff in the space is crypto wallets for kids. Mm. So, you know, mm. um, there's a kind of a, natural problem where you've got like KYC on these exchanges where you have to be 18 in, in most jurisdictions to buy crypto. But there are no rules that say you have to be 18 to hold crypto. And so, you know, how can we enable kids to start playing with this earlier in a safe, you know, an appropriate way with, you know, appropriate you know, parental controls, you know, much like this has been solved in YouTube or, you know, kind of internet writ large, you know, because if we're really going to see the full kind of promise of, of, of Web3, we, we got to get this in the hands of kids that are younger, you know, 13, 14, not just 18, 19, 20. Um, and so that's something I've been thinking a lot about and talking to folks that are building pretty cool, you know, um, while it's with social recovery, very basic functionality, allowing limits to be set, uh, uh, you know, choosing like what dApps can be connected to, you know, things like that. Really interested in folks building, you know, kind of uh, the K-12 crypto category, not le you know, less the kind of 18 up uh, crypto category. And then I've, I've also been thinking a lot about like, what is the like, LMS, you know, kind of the the LMS of, of Web3. And um, I actually met an awesome founder, Tim, from 101.xyz yesterday. And he, he's building this amazing, like, hub for online courses that can issue crypto rewards. So, you know, connect wallet, take a course, demonstrate um, your knowledge through some kind of assessment, and then get a reward either in a non-fungible token or potentially even, you know, cryptocurrency, like fungible token reward, much like um, the modules within kind of Coinbase, where if you scroll down and you can, you know, like get three bucks of Polkadot or whatever, 
um, if you go and you know learn a little bit about that pro- protocol. The I just see overwhelming demand. Every single protocol, every single DAO, every single NFT community, everyone wants to, you know, kind of have, you know, some kind of 101 onboarding experience before you, you can really kind of get your hands dirty for two reasons. One, you know, going back to something you said earlier, they want to like self-qualify, like are the, fo- do the folks here really want to be here? And then the second thing is like, do the folks here know why they're here? Right. And, and, and can like have some kind of attestation that they know why they're here and what this is that they're entering. And then boom, you know, send them off with, you know, their first tokens and, you know, welcome them into the community. So that's really exciting. And, and I think there'll be a lot more interesting things built, you know, at that intersection. Um, let me pull up. I have have a. You must have a document for sure. <laughs> you must have like a three page document with like bullets in it. So. Uh, I think just one more would be interesting, and, and then I'd love to ask a question about that, and and and, and we can close. But that's very interesting. Don't want to interrupt. Go go forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, the last one I'll kind of say has kind of two sides to the coin. It's like, what is the like online dorm? You know, I said mm. I used Twitter as the metaphor of like the online dorm, but like I I think there's probably something that is more purpose built as the online dorm, and I I don't know if it's study stream or something else. And then I think a big part of that online dorm is having really nice like URL to IRL engagement. So uh, I, I heard this phrase first uh, from Karen Tan, who's another CCS member. But I, I think, you know, especially as COVID, you know, we, you know, um, move into this endemic stage of COVID where it's, you know, an accepted part of life. We have this very natural, like basic Maslow need um, to be with other people, and so how can we kind of bridge, you know, our, I, I, you know, URL, you know, kind of connections into the IRL, um, into the real world? And I think, you know, there will be a purpose-built company that or organization that kind of behaves, you know, like an online door and allows people to connect on various topics they're interested in, and then be able to like spin up real-world meetups. You know, I, I think the furthest along in this is probably interintellect. Mm. Um, if, if you're familiar, which is not a web three company, they're just, uh, I, I think, I think you'll see them move in that direction for sure. Cause they're acting um, that way, but they're not practically doing it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Anna is a brilliant founder and, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see if that's the direction that goes. Yeah. So just a question on this and, and then I, I love to close and, and people will have your website, Twitter, I, you do a lot of tw- I mean, interesting tweets, and you also. I just, I just was struck by your openness to help in your tweets. Like, I think a couple of days ago, you said, "Hey, I have an hour free. Whoever wants to talk or whatever." So, I think you're very genuine in giving in this space. So, I, I think that's that's awesome. So, we'll give out your Twitter account and, and the website. People can reach out if they they want. One question about the first thing you mentioned about crypto wallets, and then we can close with that if that's okay. So, when I'm seeing these. I'm not so, I'm not paying that much attention to the regulations, probably as much as you are, but when I'm seeing 13 year olds making $2 million from NFTs, I know particularly a friend who is 16, dropped out of high school and created this DeFi DAO, raised $55 million. And then his mom told him that he now can quit high school because he made a bet with his mom and he said, hey, hey mom, if I make $50 million, would you let me drop out of high school? The mom said like, Sure, because she was like, sure, of course. And now she did, he did, but I'm not sure if that's even legal, right? Like I, I actually haven't thought about that when I heard the story because it was so much inspiration. 
but you're saying there's not that much infrastructure for these people to actually hold wallets within the current uh, structures, legal structures and so forth, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's, it's easy to create a wallet. It's hard to get crypto to it if, you, if you're not 18, right? Because how do you buy the crypto? Mm-hmm. And then the wallets that you know are available today, you know, the popular ones like on Ethereum, like Rainbow or MetaMask or Phantom on Solana yep. or, you know, Kukai on Tezos are, are not really, they're, they're made for like power users, right? Like everything, I mean, this is like a criticism of Web3, everything is made for power users. Dude, for I had to bridge to Polygon to claim a NFT, you know, yesterday. And like, I was out of the house and like, I could not figure out how to do it on mobile. And I like to think of myself as a pretty savvy web three user. I've been, you know, doing crypto since 2014. And then I came home and, you know, I was able to do it on desktop, but like, and still it was like clunky as hell. I had like pull up a readme on the internet to like figure it out. It's just way too hard, right? Like no way, like a kid is going to be able to do this stuff. So like, what is the, what is the, you know, slim down wallet that has just the basics for kids with appropriate parental provisioning that enables them to get their feet wet, start using dApps, you know, explore the web three. Like if you really think about this, the new paradigm shift in the internet, you know, not, you know, having Google, you know, search as the, as the kind of lens in which you're, you're accessing, you know, this web of knowledge, but that, you know, it's, you know, through the wallet, we, we've, we've got to create that. We've got yeah. to create that for kids. It's got yeah. to exist. I agree. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know the business model of that, you know, cause we certainly don't want kids to pay. So, you know, we need to think about that, or maybe it's something that's just done, you know, as an open source project by the community. And this is again, one of the beautiful things of web three. I mean, you know, as soon as somebody can think of something, it, you know, can often be, be materialized. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. So Nick, thank you so much for, for the insights and context. Is there any one insight, note, thought, question you'd like to end with that you think may be useful that I haven't asked so we have that as an ending I mean I think the thing that I want everyone to know is it's like especially for those that are newer to web3 is you're not too late right you know people say all the time oh you know yeah crypto I feel like I missed that or you know not true right like we're in the earliest innings of, of this new paradigm and it's so welcoming and there's so many great communities to get started build space Gitcoin, CCS, and a number of others that, you know, if you're a listener of the podcast and you're, you know, ready to take your first step, we'd, we'd love to hold your hand and help you down the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole. There you go. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your insight and uh, looking forward to see your tweets. They're very insightful. Thank you so much, Nick. Thanks for having me.